We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the third piece in Hilchus Edus. This is Perak Yodalat Halacha Zayin. And even though this is a short piece, but Rab Chaim touches on some very fundamental concepts in Halacha, especially having to do with testimony, including Edus Shabbatla Miktsasa Batla Kula, which means that if part of a testimony is disqualified, the whole testimony is disqualified. And then there's a counter concept called Palginan Dibura that we divide testimony and we only take half of it. So Rab Chaim's going to analyze one aspect of how these different concepts interact with each other. The Rambam writes, If someone writes a document giving all of their possessions to two people, but it's all in one document. And then there's witnesses, but the witnesses are relatives of one of the people he's trying to give this to. So let's say he's trying to give all his possessions to Ruvain and Shimon. The witnesses are Ruvain's relatives, but they're not related to Shimon. So in terms of Ruvain, they're disqualified witnesses because they're his relatives, but this is valid testimony for Shimon. So the Rambam rules, This document is totally disqualified. It doesn't work for anybody, even Shimon, because since part of the testimony is disqualified, the whole thing is disqualified. But if he writes in one document, I'm giving Ruvain this field and I'm giving Shimon this field. So in this case, he specifies who's getting what. He doesn't just give his possessions to Ruvain and Shimon. So if the same thing happens, the witnesses are relatives of Ruvain but not of Shimon. So in this case, Ruvain does not acquire the field because his relatives are the Edim, but Shimon does acquire it because this is considered two different testimonies. So in this star, it's saying that Ruvain gets this field, that's testimony one, and Shimon gets this field, that's testimony number two. So the witnesses are able to affect the transfer to Shimon even though they're disqualified for Ruvain. So that's the halacha in the Rambam. Now the source of this is the Yushalmi in the first chapter of Gi'in. It's a debate between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan says, Since the witnesses are disqualified for Ruvain, they're disqualified for Shimon. And Reish Lakish disagrees. He says that the testimony works for Shimon, even though it does not work for Ruvain. So the Gemara explains that the debate is, Rabbi Yochanan holds, If part of the testimony is disqualified, like the part about Ruvain, so the whole thing is disqualified. And Reish Lakish holds that this is like two different testimonies. So the Rambam rules like Rabbi Yochanan that where he doesn't specify which fields he's giving, he just says he's giving his possessions to Ruvain and Shimon. If part of the testimony is disqualified, the whole thing doesn't work. But even Rabbi Yochanan agrees to Reish Lakish that in the case where he specified which field he's giving to each person, so there we do divide the testimonies. That's considered two different testimonies. And even if it doesn't work for Ruvain, it still works for Shimon. So the Rambam is recording Rabbi Yochanan's view and the distinction he makes between the two cases where he specified what he's giving versus not. Now, the Rishonim ask a question on Rabbi Yochanan's opinion from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daf Tess. The case is Ploni Ravani Lertzoni. A man testifies that another man had relations with him and he wanted it. So he's not saying that he was forced. He's saying that he chose 
to do this. So that's a capital offense. So the person is saying two things. On the one hand, he's saying that this other person committed a capital offense, but he's also saying that he committed a capital offense. Now, regarding the other person, he can testify, but regarding himself, he's disqualified. So the Gemara says that we divide his testimony, Palginan Dibura. We accept the part about the other person, but we don't believe the part about himself, and that doesn't disqualify the rest of the testimony. So the Rishonim ask, why is this any different than Rabbi Yochanan's case? Why don't we say, that since he's not believed about himself, he's not believed about the other person as well. So there seems to be a contradiction. In Rabbi Yochanan's case, where the witnesses are testifying about two people and they're relatives of one of them, so the whole testimony falls apart because they're related to one of them, so half their testimony is disqualified. But in the case of Ploni Ravani Lertzoni, so even though we don't believe him about himself, we don't disqualify the whole testimony, we just believe part of it, which has to do with the other person. So the rush in the first chapter of Makos answers this question based on the view of the Raivid. The Raivid holds that we only apply Palginan Dibura when the person testifies about themselves. But if they're a Karov, so they testify about their relative, then we apply Eidu Shabbat L'Miktsasa Batla Kula. So the Raivid has a distinction. He says that when a person is a Baldin, they're testifying about themselves, their testimony is so badly disqualified that it doesn't even register. So it doesn't disqualify the remainder of their testimony because it's a totally worthless testimony. So there we apply Palginan Dibura, we divide the testimony, and we only accept the part that's believed. But when they testify about their relative, so that's disqualified because of a karov, so that's not a totally irrelevant testimony. It is a valid testimony. It's just disqualified. So since there is a testimony which is disqualified, it disqualifies the entire testimony. So the Ravid differentiates between a karov versus a baldin. Someone testifying about themselves versus testifying about their relative. And that's the difference of when we apply Palginan Dibura versus Eidu Shabbat L'Miktsasabat Lakula. So that's why Ploni Ravani Lertzoni, which is a Baldin, the person is testifying about themselves, we say Palginan Dibura, whereas in Rabbi Yochanan's case, which is Karov, the person is testifying about their relative. So the whole Eidos is disqualified. So that's the Rush's approach based on the Raivid. Now, many other Rishonim disagree with this distinction of the Raivid, and they answer this question differently. They say that, in fact, Rabbi Yochanan and the Gemara in Sanhedrin are actually disagreeing. So there is a broad debate between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish whether we say Palginan Dibura, we divide the testimony, or we say Eidu Shabbat Mitzasa Batla Kula. That's a running debate. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin that says Palginan Dibura, that's the view of Reish Lakish whereas Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. Now, based on that setup, so these Rishonim conclude that the halacha follows Reish Lakish because Rava also holds Palginan Dibura. So now we have Rava disagreeing with Rabbi Yochanan and the halacha follows Rava. So according to these Rishonim, we do not follow the view of Rabbi Yochanan, we follow the view of Rava and Reish Lakish. Now, there is good support for this view because the Yerushalmi itself compares the debate of Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish 
with another case, which is a slave who brings a document that says, that the slave is free and he owns the master's possession. So it says two things. Now, the slave is not believed to produce a document that says that he owns the master's possessions, but he is believed to produce a document that he's free. So do we believe this document or not? Now, the Gemara in Gitin Chesamad Beis says clearly, in that case, Rava holds Palginan Dibura, that we believe the document that the slave is free, even though he doesn't get the possessions. So the fact that the Yushalmi compares that case to the debate between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish seems to indicate that Rava and Reish Lakish have the same view, that Palginan Dibura, and Rabbi Yochanan holds Eidu Shabbat L'Miktsasa Bat Lakula. Now, Rab Chaim wants to know which of these approaches, the Ravid or the other Rishonim, does the Rambam follow? So he proves that the Rambam does not agree with the Ravid because the Gemara in Sanhedrin Yud quotes another case where a man testifies that another man had relations with his wife. So the Gemara again says, Palginan Dibura, that we believe him about the adulterer, even though he's not believed to testify about his wife. So this is a problem for the Raivid because he said we only apply Palginan Dibura for testimony about the person themselves, not if they're related to the person. So here we have a case where a man is testifying about his wife, so he's her relative, and still we apply Palginan Dibura. So the Raivid answers, Ishto Kegufo, a wife has the status of the husband. So testifying about one's wife is equivalent to testifying about himself. So basically, in order to defend his view, the Ravid must say that when a husband testifies about his wife, it has the status of as if he testified about himself, not the status of testifying about a relative. Now, the Rambam in Hilchus Edus Yud Gimel Yud Gimel disagrees with that. He writes, Ha'ish im Ishto, a husband testifying about his wife, Rishon Berishon, is considered the first level of relative. So we see that the Rambam identifies a husband testifying about his wife, not like the Ravid, that it's Ishto Kegufo, it's like he testified about himself, but it's the regular halacha of someone testifying about their relative. So if so, the fact that the Gemara applies Palginan Dibura to a case where a husband testifies about his wife means that according to the Rambam, we do apply Palginan Dibura even when a witness testified about his relative. So that goes against the Ravid. It says Rab Chaim, there's another place where the Rambam seems to disagree with the Ravid about this. In Edus Yud Beis Beis, the Rambam adds a third case. So far we've seen if a man says another man had relations with me or had relations with my wife. And the Rambam adds if he says a man had relations with my animal. So according to the Rambam, in that case, his testimony would get the person killed because a person is not a relative with his animal, with his estate. So his testimony is not disqualified and the other person would get killed. The Ravid disagrees. He says that's a case of Eidu Shabbat L'Miktsasa, but Lakula, the whole thing is disqualified because since the person is not believed about their animal and the animal is not themselves, so we apply Eidu Shabbat L'Miktsasa, but Lakula. So this is the same debate between the Ravid and the Rambam. The Ravid is using his criteria that we only apply Palginan Dibura when a person testifies about themselves, not about their animal. Whereas the Rambam holds that we only disqualify the testimony if the person is a relative of the person, but if it's their animal, so then we don't disqualify the testimony. So again, we see that the Rambam does not follow the
the Raivid's criteria of dividing that Palgin and Dibura is when the testimony is about themselves and Eidu Shabbat L'Mikzasa about Lakula applies to other testimonies where they're not believed. And Rab Chaim adds, even though you could read the Rambam there differently, so this is not ironclad proof, but the fact that the Rambam never mentions the Raivid's distinction, so that omission itself tells us that he disagrees with the Raivid's approach. Because if he agrees with the Raivid's idea that Palgin and Dibura only applies when the person testifies about themselves, not other disqualifying testimony, so the Rambam should have told us that. The fact that he omitted that means that he disagrees with the Raivid. So we see that the Rambam disagrees with the Raivid's distinction, but he certainly doesn't agree with the other Rishonim that we apply Palgin and Dibura across the board because the Rambam himself in this halacha ruled that Eidu Shabbat Lamiqtasabat Lakula. So now we're left with the question, what is the Rambam's criteria for when we apply Palgin and Dibura versus Eidu Shabbat Lamiqtasabat Lakula? When it comes to Ploni Ravani Lertzoni, the Rambam is applying Palgin and Dibura, whereas in this case of the document, he's applying Eidu Shabbat Lamiqtasabat Lakula. So what's the difference? So Rab Chaim explains the conceptual distinction according to the Rambam, and he formulates an important idea, which is in general, when someone says, I'm giving all my possessions to Ruvain and Shimon, each of those gifts works separately. So it's not that it's one gift that goes to two people, it's two separate gifts which were combined in the same document. And the proof for that is because the problem in this case is in the Eidos. It's Eidos Shabbat L'Mikzasabat L'Kula. The testimony is a problem. But the actual transition of the gift would have worked. So theoretically, if we could find another testimony that Shimon acquired these possessions, he could acquire his half, even though Ruvain is not acquiring his half. So we see that each half could have been acquired theoretically on its own. So the issue here is not in the transfer of the gift, it's only in the testimony. So if so, says Rab Chaim, why is there even a problem in the testimony? Once we know that this is is in fact two different gifts. Half of the possessions go to Ruvain and half of the possessions go to Shimon and they work separately. So what does it matter that he combined them in the same document and the document isn't working for Ruvain? It should still work for Shimon. Why do we say that since the testimony is not helping for Ruvain, it disqualifies Shimon's half as well when Shimon's transfer and acquisition is totally separate and works independently from Ruvain's? So says Rab Chaim, in order to answer this question, we have to formulate this idea more carefully. In fact, the acquisition does happen at the same time for both people. It's not two separate acquisitions. So it's not that Ruvain acquires half and Shimon acquires half. Both of them acquire the possessions together at the same time. So the whole transfer of the possessions, if it would work, occurs to both of them through the same process of acquisition. Now, if one of them doesn't work, so if one of them is not acquiring it, then the other one can acquire his half even independently of the first person. So since Ruvain is a relative and his half of the acquisition is not going to work through this document, so Shimon is able to acquire his half without Ruvain. But that only occurs once we've established that Ruvain's half is not going to work. But if both of them were going to be acquiring their half, then in fact that would occur through the same process of transfer. 
So that explains why there's no problem in the actual acquisition in this case, because theoretically, once Ruvain couldn't acquire his half, Shimon would have gone ahead and acquired his half. The issue is in the testimony. Says Rab Chaim, this formulation explains why the testimony is disqualified, even though theoretically they could each acquire their half without the other. Because since originally the witnesses signed on the document with the intention of both of them acquiring at the same time, time, so that testimony can't change. Even if we change the method and the process of the Kenyan of the acquisition, but the original testimony can't suddenly shift, the witnesses are saying that they're both going to acquire together. And once Ruvain is not acquiring, so now the whole testimony is disqualified because it's not working for Ruvain, so it doesn't work for Shimon as well. So this explains why there's a difference between the testimony versus the Kenyan, because the Kenyan is able to shift but the testimony is stuck in all or nothing. Either they both acquire or neither. So now that we understand the centrality of the testimony in this case, that it gets locked in when they give it and it can't adapt, says Rab Chaim, this is going to explain the distinction the Rambam makes between the case of Ploni Ravani Leritzoni and the case of the document. In Ploni Ravani Leritzoni, the person is giving two different testimonies. One is that he committed a capital offense and one is that the other guy committed a capital offense. But each of them has their own court case. So this is not the same testimony for both of them, even though he's saying it at the same time and in the same sentence, but it relates to two different people. So it's immediately understood that this testimony is divided. We say Palginan Dibura, that whatever he's believed on, we accept, and the rest of it we don't accept. Because inherent in this testimony is two different testimonies about two different court cases. As opposed to the documents case, where Abhaim just explained that when they testify on the star, they're saying that both of them are going to acquire at the same moment. So there are no two testimonies. They're not saying Ruvain's going to acquire and Shimon's going to acquire. They're saying both of them are going to acquire through the same transfer. So once it turns out that that's not going to work because they're Ruvain's relatives, so then the whole thing falls apart and Shimon can't acquire using this testimony either because the whole testimony is disqualified. We apply Eidush about Lamiktsasa, but Lakula because there was no inherent divide within this testimony. So according to Rab Chaim, this explains the Rambam's distinction between these two cases, even though he rules like Rabbi Yochanan. So he does not follow the view that the halacha is like Reish Lakish because that's the view of Rava. And he also doesn't apply the distinction of the Ravid because he has his own distinction that when it comes to a document, there is no inherent divide in the testimony. The testimony is that they're both going to acquire at the same moment. And if that doesn't work, even though theoretically Shimon could acquire his half independently, but he has no testimony to that effect. As opposed to Ploni Ravani Leritzoni, where we say Palginan Dibura, because as soon as he gave that testimony, it already divided into two different court cases, so it's possible to accept half of the testimony and not the other half. So the Rambam does not differentiate between testifying about himself versus testifying about his relatives. He differentiates what the nature of the testimony was 
as he was giving it? Did it have to do with two different issues or was it all relating to the same issue in which case we can't divide up this testimony? So this is Rab Chaim's very nice piece to explain the view of the Rambam. He sets up the debate between the Ravid and the other Rishonim and shows that the Rambam does not fit into either approach and then he explains that the Rambam has a conceptual distinction between the nature of the testimony in the two different cases and whether we divide the testimony all depends on whether there was a divide in the testimony when it was first given.